Like a middle distance runner kicking for home, Manchester City are on the charge. Erling Haaland blasted in five goals in midweek to take the champions into yet another FA Cup quarterfinal. They've put together a run of nine wins and two draws in the Premier League to boost their hopes of retaining their title. And they're well on course to reach the quarterfinals of the Champions League too. Just across the rain-filled sky of Manchester, United are clinging to hopes of Champions League qualification. Will the Red Devils be crushed by the City juggernaut? Or can Eric Ten Hag somehow mastermind a performance that will ease the pressure on him? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. City do tend to come on strong in the second half of the season. My top tipping team's consistent all the way through, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, every time you think United might just be turning the corner, they serve up that bilge against Fulham last weekend. Yeah, I was quite satisfied to see United lose last weekend, actually. Um, <laughs> um, because I wasn't seeing the, the sort of green shoots. Sure, there was promising signs of the front three clicking and, and performing pretty well, but... Um, yeah, it kind of shut up the the crew. The, you know, the results of the only stat that matters crew that were out in force really after Man United won a few games um, because, you know, I found their form quite puzzling. Um, I still was doubting their chances for a top four massively. Um, but the, you know, the arguments or the opinion seemed to be focused on the fact that they were winning matches. So obviously they were, they were playing pretty well and ignoring everything that had gone on in those particular fixtures. And, you know, obviously losing Rasmus Hoyland before the, before the Fulham game was a, was a bit of a blow. It breaks up that front three, uh, which had been working so well. But um, yeah, obviously Mainu had been flourishing in midfield too, and he's he's now has to be considered a bit of a wild card for the Euro squad with Henderson and Phillips regression. But um, yeah, back to United. Really, they they still just looked anything but trustworthy going into that game against Fulham last weekend. And you know, you look at the recent wins that they had. Were any of them comprehensive? Were any of them convincing? I say no. Uh, Luton certainly wasn't. Villa were the better team when they won away at Villa Park. Wolves match, they nearly chucked it in in the last minute. Yeah. And the West Ham yeah. game was, was not a 3-0 match whatsoever. So uh, against Fulham, that was a deserved defeat, really, on the balance of play. And um, there are so many problems with this team right now. It's it's hard to, to really kind of find any sort of one conclusion. The, the big issue... For me, it's just the complete chaos and, and the lack of control they seem to play at it. It almost feels like it's intended. It's all over the shop, really. And you know, it, it's not like Ten Hag will be asking his team to to not play with kind of any semblance of game management. He, clearly, he's trying to get them to do something. But defensively, they're all over the shop. And yeah, the injuries haven't helped. But that's no excuse for allowing 16 shots per game across the season. Only Luton and Sheffield United allowing more. And you know, there's a complete lack of structure in midfield combined with a, a lack of pressing in the final third. A deep defensive line means there's just gaps all over the pitch, really. And um, yeah, as I say, that just doesn't seem to be an obvious plan going forward um, with that team. Well, so, he doesn't think so. I mean, he seems completely <laughs> delusional, Ten Hag. Utterly delusional. The bigger picture. <laughs> like after the Fulham game, oh, we're heading in the right direction. But it was just the goal we conceded it was just one player out of place. Uh, and we need to react, but generally we're moving in the right direction. What is the right direction? Sixth? Is that is that yeah. the direction? Because that seems to be the way they're going. Yeah, it's confusing. Um, so I can't have them at all, really. At the Etihad, um, you know, Haaland clicking into gear in midweek. De Bruyne already racking up ten assists for the season, despite missing almost all of the season. <laughs> it's outrageous. What an absurd player he is. <laughs> 
he really is. Um, Phil Foden enjoying his best season of his career. Of course, Lewis has been very much Phil Foden's big fan in recent weeks, and he's been real kind of flawless in that more central position. Um, yeah, City have scored 14 goals in the last four Premier League meetings with Manchester United. That includes 10 in the last two games at the Etihad. So, you know, if you needed a reminder, United's record away from home under Ten Hag against the top nine last season was zero wins, one draw, seven defeats, 28 goals conceded. Not as bad this season, but they burgled a nil-nil at Anfield. Didn't really deserve to win at Villa either. Lost by two or more at Arsenal, Spurs and West Ham. So I think the handicap at one and a half is, is fair game, really, in City's favour. Um, it's difficult to really engineer something of real interest. So for me, I'm going to have a little crack at a bigger-ish price, which is to back City to win and both teams to score at 264 on the exchange. I know there's no Hoyland, but City, yes, they've kept back-to-back league clean sheets. I think it's three clean sheets and four across all comps. But I still I mean, think they United can... against Bournemouth, should they really? No, I mean, no. Bournemouth have uh, brilliant chances. And you know, when they do step up in class, they have conceded goals fairly regularly. If you look at their record at home against the top 14 in the Premier League, Conceded in seven of eight, so they conceded at home in two of their three Champions League group games as well. And even without Hoyland, I do think United have that pace in Garnacho and Rashford in forward areas that can uh, attack that high line and cause problems. So um, really wouldn't be surprised to see City run up a, a score here, but um, a consolation goal for United I don't think is out of the question either. So 264 and City to win and BTTS, but as always with City, it's hard to engineer something of... Uh, of real promise considering the sort of lopsided um, odds we get on offer. Delighted to say that Sky Sports' Lewis Jones is in the starting side once again. Lewis, 6-3 battering at the Etihad last season. 3-0 win for City at Old Trafford earlier in the season. How do United approach this? Because, I mean, we keep coming back to it, but it is like this kind of weird kind of jazz approach to midfield that United have. And you just can't get away with that stuff anymore. No, exactly. I, I think looking at past examples of what Ten Hag has done in these in these games, it's just going to be a, a containment job, isn't it, for United? I, it wouldn't surprise me if they go to sort of five across the back. I think they did that at Liverpool, didn't they, where they, um, we, as, as Mark said, they sort of burgled a, a nil-nil there. Um, but that, that, that is probably the, 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 the way to stop Man City is to contain them by defending deep and being very organised. And they sort of need to do what... Everton did a few weeks ago at the Etihad. They were really well organised. But the difference is they've got Sean Dyche as manager, who is an ex- was an absolute expert at that kind of football. Ten Hag is still the, the jury's out, really. Is, 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 is he really capable of leading Manchester United to a victory at Manchester City? I, I, I can't see it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going towards the, the, corner, the corners line here for, for Manchester City. I've been writing about it in my prediction column with Sky and on the my notebook that I do for Betfair over the last few weeks, just finding these really um, value-soaked um, corner lines for oppos- opposition teams against Manchester United. And sort of the unconvinc- unconvincing nature of United's performances can be seen through metrics that show how much defending their defenders have to do. Um, so in the la- last eight Premier League games, United have conceded the most crosses into their box in the Premier League. So that's 203, and that's 19 more than any other team. That's more than wow. Sheffield United, Burnley. They've been asked to do so much defending, and that, that is seen through their shots-faced um, data, which is um, not on everyone's lips at the moment. Um, and a high proportion of those crosses have come from corners. Um, so their eight-game average of corners conceded now stands at 7.5 per 90. Um, after Fulham won nine at Old Trafford on uh, when was it Saturday, and they were twelve that to one. That is really to high, isn't it? I mean, just for ri- yeah. that is really high. 
Well, the line, I think, was set at, at 4.5. So to win five corners or more was even money. So they were 12 to one to win nine corners, Fulham, on, on Saturday. And they managed to, to, to hit that line. So you can see it's an edge that the markets haven't quite latched onto. I hope Emmett is closing his ears while I'm talking here, actually. Um, I always but, love that <laughs> dynamic when we talk on the show and go, oh, the traders <laughs> haven't quite caught up to this. And Emmett's very good with his poker face. But yeah, just kind of send it an email just in the corner. Well, especially as Betfair are actually best priced on Man City corners this weekend as well. So maybe maybe I should have kept this one to myself. But there's there's even more to come here. That that, that average corners lost or conceded rises to a, a what I'd call a completely bonkers ten point eight corners conceded in the last six games against the top five in the Premier League. So they conceded ten corners away at Villa, thirteen at home to Spurs, six at home to Villa, twelve away at Liverpool, twelve at home to Man City and 12 at Arsenal. So uh, we can see a sort of a pattern emerging here against these teams where they do um, soak up pressure and allow teams a lot, a lot of joy down, down the flanks and shots at goal where things can get deflected. Uh, goalkeepers can make saves, um, push it behind, etc. So with that likely low block um, and one-way nature of the game with City just dominating uh, proceedings, um, I can see, yeah, the, the Man City total corners line, I think, is a play again here, despite it being a little bit higher higher than ideal. We can get 19 to 20 on the sports book, so nearly even money, which is, as I said, the best price around for eight or more Manchester City corners. Um, and that looks very good up against that 10.8 average that I suggested um, from those uh, meetings in previous top five encounters. And I wouldn't actually put people off the bigger lines too with 12 or more corners City to win at around six to one. And that's a bet that would have landed um, at home to Spurs, away at Liverpool, Arsenal and that Man City game. So four of those games. So, yeah, if you're looking for a fun six to one shot to cheer on on Sunday, I think that's the one. That's the way to go down. Finally, trader, tipster and quite frankly, terrified United fan Emmett O'Keefe is with us. Emmett, Jamie Carragher was pretty scathing about United's tactical setup on Monday Night Football. He was right, wasn't he? 100%. I think that's the, like as in... I don't blame Ten Hag for kind of pushing back. I think like sometimes I think we forget in these things, these people are human beings and like Ten Hag is getting criticism from all sides. Like he's not an objective pundit. He's not an objective person. Anyone who's objective can see the character is right. But I, can, I, don't, I don't blame Ten Hag for kind of trying pushing back. I can see how embattled he is and under the pressure he is that you might pr- provoke an unreasonable response. But like any any, any United fan who's, what, who's watched them all season, like can see that, that there's something just really structurally wrong with this team. Like I think, as in, I think that's we discussed the the, sh- the the shot stats on numerous occasions. Like it's just and but what what just amazed me about Ten Hag is that I think probably I think last season he went for kind of a compromise approach from the kind of from what we saw at Ajax with the kind of David Hay booting the ball long and playing more reactive style of play. I think probably most United fans, me included, expected him to see the kind of full. Ajax maybe kind of a, a transition to kind of a possession-based high-pressing style this year, but instead Ten Hag talks in the summer about kind of doubling down on this transition attack. It's so it's, strange. It's very strange. because so he did so well at Ajax. Yeah. With a group of players that was good, yeah. but not amazing, and the system was the star, really. They were able to, they were so clever in some of the ties. I remember when they, they knocked out Juventus, they were really super smart in that tie. They got a brilliant 
win away to Real Madrid at one stage in the Champions League against Solari. Santiago Solari was in charge. It seems years and years and years ago. Yeah. But this is a mess. This is an absolute mess. I know, yeah. I, I think as well, like from with previous sounded managers, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had no track record. Like, I, I'd no, I'd no fight that he was ever going to succeed. I think Jose Mourinho was tactically kind of behind the times in football as his spells at Tottenham and, and Rome have shown. Louis van Halligan, you can argue the same thing that his kind of, we, we, you know, it hired him off the back of international football success, not necessarily in kind of success in club football and that showed. Whereas I think with Ten Hag, the sad thing is there was strong logic for the hire. He'd had like a really yeah. good track record yeah. of success at Ajax. There, and like in his first season, while the underlying data, I think, was what showed the United were a bit forced to finish top four, there were definitely signs of progress. And I think even if you expect, even though I did expect United to regress a bit, I, I think this kind of disaster and this kind of long tail outcome, I think, was, was pretty hard to, hard to foresee for anyone. So I think that's kind of that's kind of the sad thing. That's the sad thing about, about this season. I think any hope United had in this game left with Rasmus Hoyland's injury. I do agree with Mark in terms of that, like United's performances and, and wins were coming. They, they were built on kind of ropey foundations and in games that they weren't controlling. But United's attacking output had really improved. Like they had three of their top six attacking performances of the season away at Luton, away at Villa, and, and away at Wolves. I think that and that was largely driven by, by by Hoyland. And I think it's like just with like the drop off from Hoyland at centre forward to Marcus Rashford is enormous. Like I'm. I'm not sure how many teams the Premier League Marcus Rashford would get in at centre forward. I think he's like just he's that he just is it. I think obviously he's low on confidence at the moment, but even at his best, I think he's just centre forward is, is just isn't his best position. It's it's it's, it's well, coming off the left is where he's always thrived, isn't he? Yeah. Generally, when he's had good spells, that's where it, it's weird with him because it should work, but it doesn't work. He should it, have it, everything you need to be a good centre forward at this level, but he doesn't. It's just his back to goal game is bad. We've seen him again when he's confident. He's had he had good games as a centre forward against Barcelona in the Champions League last year. And at times against he's these kind of teams playing playing high up the pitch, he can kind of break in behind. We have seen him have some success, but I think this version of Rashford where he's so low on confidence, I think we're likely to see a kind of a poor performance of him struggling to hold up the ball, Sissy City centre half squeezing out at high, and it being just this totally one sided kind of half court basketball style game where United are like kind of a boxer on the ropes getting pummeled and they're kind of looking to land one desperate counter strike. And I think, yeah, in terms of, and I think it's just, it's impossible to fancy United here. Add to that. Sophie and Amrabat started at left back uh, during the week, and um, with obviously Luke Shaw absent, Mambasaki injured. If Amrabat starts at left back, like he just doesn't have the pace. To, he doesn't have the pace to play there. Dreadful pass against Forest in midweek that got them into all kinds of trouble. Yeah, so I think that's that's a real liability. Like I. I it's impossible to see anything other than the kind of one-way traffic here in terms of the shape of the game. I think it'll be similar to that 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 game away at Anfield where where Liverpool had kind of 30, 34 shots in twelve corners but failed to score. Um, I, I I think Lewis it's a fair angle in terms of the the corners that the Lewis the Lewis mentioned. I I like the City team shots as well. Like City have been at twenty five sh- shots at home to Brentford, they thirty one at home to Chelsea, and they're playing against opposition that are they'll be even more amenable in terms of allowing shots. You can get City to have twenty five plus shots at five to two, and so if you weren't trying to get with City, that's just going to be a slightly kind of bigger price angle. Um, and as well, I wouldn't put anyone off backing. 
the kind of the really high goal lines for City. Like again, I think a five or six, a five or six one win is very much in play. I think City over five and a half goals around sixteen to one. I wouldn't play an off a small bet. I think to see this getting really ugly. Lewis is just trying to work out why City to win and City to win twelve corners has just dropped to uh, uh, four to six. He's trying. To... <laughs> it's just been story firing. of my life, Kevin. Story <laughs> of my life. Yeah, Emma's just been firing out the emails. Um, Lewis, you you are quite alarmed by Rashford's form as well, aren't you? I think he's cutting quite a frustrated figure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd just sort of moving on from or adding to what Emmett said there about Rashford playing playing through the middle. He just he just doesn't look happy t- to me, and his his performances of of late have sort of reminded me of. Um, do you know the Arctic Monkeys song, Mardi Bum? It's one of their best tracks yes, they released. Yes, I, I like it very much. Yeah, and he's definitely got the face on, hasn't he? He's got. He's one of those. Yeah. He's in one of those moods where he's nothing seems to be going right. And I'm not. I know players aren't robots, and we don't know what's going on in their personal life. But he just looks so disillusioned with with playing football at the moment. Maybe maybe he needs maybe a bit a bit of time away. Um, his last performances have lacked energy, fight, desire. The same mood against. Nottingham Forest and Alan Shearer on commentary for the BBC even had a hop at him, didn't he? On um, which yeah. which shows you how obvious his performance was really because it takes quite a lot for a co-commentator to come out and be that sort of negative towards a player. So um, there's also the reports of unrest between him and Ten Hag, which potentially could have um, substance. And I just just like the the odds on him making a foul this weekend. I know he's not he's not really one to to make fouls. He's, he's, he's He's got a very low foul. He's got a low foul average. He's just made three in his last ten starts. But a ten to eleven for him to make a foul, I think, makes sense just to the the likely nature of the game where Man City are going to be defending for large parts. Could be the on the on the end of a a bit of a, a bit of a hiding, and he's going to have to do a lot of a lot of work up front um, on his own. So yeah, that that ten to eleven um, did stand out for anyone looking to sort of play a bet builder over the weekend. And even again, if, even though he doesn't pick up many yellow cards just in his in his current mood the nine to two um for him to be carded also looked okay but there is probably bigger elsewhere um and he did get booked actually in the away game at Liverpool when he was only on the pitch for 17 minutes so yeah um a couple of Rashford angles there to maybe exploit I would talk about seeing Arctic Monkeys live but that would make me sound like Alan Partridge uh we know injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet so now you've got 90 minute payout to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time T's and C's in the description 18 plus begambleaware.org more Premier League action to come but first Mark you want to take us to Denmark I'd love to take you to Denmark, Kev. Um, yeah, I mean, a rare trip to the, the Super League. Um, I like the look of overs uh, when Viborg take on Randers on Sunday. Um, there's only two do. points. There's, there's only two points between these two teams in the bottom half, so there's there's plenty to play for. Um, two teams who do tend to enjoy open, expansive, quite goal heavy games as well, and I think that's uh, always a helping point when you're looking for a goals based bet, as well as the fact that these two teams. Uh, are two of the three worst defences in the division. So a great starting point there. Just five clean sheets between them in 38 league games so far this season. But um, yeah, Overs is trading at 195, which considering the league is averaging 271 goals, 55% of all games have gone over. I expected this to be shorter because um, if you look at the raw data as well as the underlying metrics for both, 
they kind of mirror mirror each other and um, they all mirror towards a, a goal-heavy, open, high-scoring game. So Viborg and uh, Randers have both seen overs land in seven of their nine respective home and away league matches. They've also seen both teams to score hit in seven of their nine home or away league dates this season. Those games averaging 278 and 322 goals per game. And the XG supports those numbers. Uh, Viborg's home games averaging 3.26 XG. Randers away matches 3.21 expected goals. So based on the underlying data this season, my goals model suggests overs should be below 1.7. So quite a big difference to where the market is right now. Uh, and considering over two and a half goals has landed in 14 of their combined 18 home and away league matches. Um, yeah, happy to have a crack at this, down to about 1.8, actually. So, um, yeah, goals in Viborg versus Randers on Sunday. Burnley produced another hapless display last weekend as they were gubbed 3-0 at Crystal Palace. They faced Bournemouth on Sunday. Lewis, the temptation is to frame Burnley's struggles as naivety. Oh, they want to play a certain way, you know, very slavish to what they do. They want to bring the ball out from the back. Actually, I think they are just rubbish, though, as well, aren't they? Well, yeah, the the numbers are, are pretty frightening, aren't they? They've lost 19 games this season and they're actually getting worse, I think, rather than any better, which is doesn't bode well for their remaining games this season once if you think the relegation is going to be confirmed within the next month or so. And to get hammered by the Palace team without Eze, Elise, Decore and Mark Gaye, I mean... Takes some doing that, doesn't it? It 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 really does. No, they had the new manager bounce, etc. But and people will point towards the the sending off for um, Brownhill, wasn't it? Oh, that pass from James Trafford, man alive! That might be the worst pass I've seen all season. And I feel bad for him because he's a young goalkeeper, and you want to build those guys up. And he was brilliant for England at those under twenty one Euros, but he just looks shot to pieces, doesn't he? Yeah, he has issues in sort of big moments in matches, doesn't he? He's he's, he's a young goalkeeper, and he, I'm sure he'll he'll come good. And he's learned, yeah, learning, I'm learning sure on he the will too. learning learning on the job. It, but it's a very sort of ruthless environment to be learning on the job in, isn't it? When you're playing some of these teams that are some of the best teams in Europe in the world, probably. So yes, I'm sure he'll come he'll come he'll come through it a better goalkeeper in the long term. But this season, yeah, a bit of a write off for everyone associated with with Burnley. Burnley, and argue. And it, even. Even that game against Palace, even when they had 11 versus 11, they didn't have a shot on goal before then in 35 minutes against Crystal Palace. So um, I'm really torn here, actually, because I really want to back Bournemouth for evens to win this match, which I've, the price really jumped off the page. And But I just haven't got confidence with them in in the final third at the moment. And yeah. I've got an, I've got a bit of an obsession with Bournemouth, like the, the manager, Iraola. I think he's I think he's really special. And some of their football they produce is... Really exciting, but he's he's costing me in the pocket at the moment. These uh, <laughs> Bournemouth, yeah, because these, uh... the idea is great, isn't it? Like they they do all the things he was doing at Via, Rio Vallecano, but then the players aren't quite capable of turning that into wins as often as you'd like. Absolutely, and I've, sort of my ratings and rankings, I've got them. I've got them as the the fifth best team in the Premier League over the last fifteen Premier League games. Um, so that sort of so so shows you how highly I I do rate them. Um, and it's it's all to do with their defensive process, really. It's really un really underrated. It's one of the best defensive units in in the Premier League. They, they are winless in in their last seven, but over the last fourteen Premier League games, the data is telling me they that the, the the numbers are again fifth best in the league. And since Sanessi, Zavani, Christie, and Cook were selected together after they lost six one at Man City. I think they've been a bit of they have been a different animal. They are sort of wonderfully in sync in the pitch, and it's backed up by that spectacular defensive process. In those 
So these are these are frightening. These numbers. He's in the last fourteen Premier League games. They're working at a, a non-penalty per ninety expected goals against ratio of just one point zero seven per game. And that wow. process is only bettered by Manchester City and Arsenal. So they've got the third best defensive process in the league, but their actual results are really uh, are not showcasing that. And even when you ass- assess the XG battles across their last 17 games in all competitions, they've won 14 of those XG battles as well. So they come out so strong on the data, but obviously something is holding them back and it's without doubt in attack. Um, and it's, the, the winless run now is taking its toll in the final third uh, they've just been so so wasteful against um, uh, Leicester on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> it was it was quite remarkable, really. It's, without they didn't didn't have uh, Dominic Solanke, did they? Which only adds to their issues in forward areas. And he's he's having an MRI scan, isn't he? This uh, as we speak, I think, to see how long he's going to be out for. And he scored forty six percent of their goals this season. And I said he didn't play midweek against Leicester, who played their B team. And just Bournemouth were just so woeful with their finishing. And you just want to cap up woeful. I mean, they had 15 shots off target, which is a ridiculous number. And I did see wow. some, of the, some of the fans behind the goal doing a classic of sort of pointing towards the goal. <laughs> Get the cardboard signs out. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Didn't ha- yeah they, didn't, they didn't have the foam fingers. So maybe they need to go and purchase some from the club club shop. But it's that, that's, that's never a good sign. Um, and they haven't scored a goal now in their last 40 shots across those, those two games. They've just scored six goals in their last seven. Um, and they're just not playing with any confidence to make me trust them at even even money away at um, at Burnley. So th- there is a bet to be had in there. I think, the, and Mark has spoken on the other on the the Saturday podcast about how high the goal ratio is in the Premier League. But I just think this just screams unders this game. And I know somewhere Mark Stincham is going to be shaking his head at this for backing a yeah, yeah, Premier, yeah. Premier League game to go down a, a low scoring avenue. But I just I just can't ignore the prices, and especially on the um, the Asian line. Um, on the total goals, so under two point seven five goals is around even money. So we're going to get a full payout there if there are two or fewer goals, and we get half our stake refunded if there are three goals, and we only lose if there are four more goals. And I'll just be absolutely stunned if these two teams um, are able to score four goals between them in their current mood. Burnley trying to break down that Bournemouth defensive axis against Bournemouth's misfiring attack. So yeah, it's got low scoring written all over it. To me, and those that even money for under two point seven five, I think it's one of the the best bets of the weekend, actually. And just sent stinches slashing a beach inflatable uh, as we speak with anger. Uh, Emmett, what's your take on this one? Yeah, gonna, like I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to hold my nose and tip Burnley here. Um, the the, the oh, thinking wow. is, yeah, the, That's the, terrible. Uh, under the category of every team has its price. Um, yeah, obviously there's the slanky, the slankery in, injury news as part of that. Also, his replacement, um, in as you know, went off with what looked like a fairly serious injury. So, like Bournemouth are likely going to have no, no, no recognised centre forward here. And um, Lewis mentioned the kind of the percentage of goals that, that that's Lanky scores. That's the highest percentage of, of any Premier League team by a margin. So I think I think like you're, it's kind of I, I think Bournemouth are, are as vulnerable here as they have been any 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 game all season. I think as well, as bad as Burnley are, I think their recent performances are kind of part of the reason they've looked so bad is just just because of the schedule. Like they played Arsenal. Liverpool and Man City in their last five matches, and as Lewis said, their collapse against Palace did come after the first for, for first half red card. I think they are kind of a slightly better team with 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 kind of Fafana up front, and I think we just we've seen them play 
like obviously Luton and Fulham aren't as good as Bournemouth, but like we, we we've seen we've seen Burnley get draws at home to both 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 um both Fulham and Bournemouth, both um Fulham and Luton. I, I think I think they they can be competitive here. I think they are just slightly better than the bare results. I I, I just think. I, I, I can't have Bournemouth to short as evens if Solanke, Solanke doesn't play. So hold my, hold my nose and take Burnley when they're a draw-double chance. Fascinated to see how this one works out now. I could just see you both being terrified the whole way through. Uh, finally, Mark has a pick in Austria for us. You wanted to go to Denmark, right? Would you prefer to yeah. go to Austria? Yeah, why not? We've done Denmark. Denmark was great fun. I have yeah. high hopes for Austria. Great. Uh, I think it's our first ever trip to Austria on the podcast. But um, yeah, there's a team I'm always eager to, to oppose at the minute. And um, there's a great opportunity to do so again this weekend. It's uh, Austria Lustinau, who are rock bottom of the Austrian Bundesliga. They have won once all season. They've got six points and just 10 goals in 20 league matches so far. <laughs> Yay! They're my new favourite team. <laughs> they're my favourite team in Austria because uh, they keep making me good money. But so, yeah, they keep, um, they're across almost all major metrics. They are the worst team in the division by a, by a real distance. Um, last weekend, <clears throat> they went away to the Salzburg, top of the table. They were annihilated 7-0. They were 4-0 down after 32 minutes. It means they've now lost 16 of 20 league matches. They have been, wait for it, nilled in 14 of those 20 <laughs> fixtures, uh, including seven of That's 10 away of games. Nilling, to be fair, that is <laughs> a lot of nilling. Lots of nils. Um, seven of 10 away have been nilled, generating just 0.49 non-penalty expected goals per game when playing away. And they failed to score in nine of their 11 games against the top half. So this weekend, they are going to the capital to place Rapid Vienna or Rapid Vienna, if you want to be Austrian. Um, the league table yeah, has Rapid been six. Rapid Vienna is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, they're um, they're going quite well. Well, not as well as the league table suggests. They're sixth, but um, I've got them rated as the second best team in Austria. Um, since they've returned from the winter break, they've been in red hot form. They battled the derby rivals, uh, Austria Vienna, last week 3 0. They drew one all away at second place Strumbratz previously, and they've also won away at Wolfsberger as well. So they're only three points off third in the league now. They're moving along quite nicely. You can back them to win and win to nil at 2.1 uh, this weekend, or you can back them to win and BTTS no. Either all works, really. It's the same selection. It's 2.1. Uh, they smashed Lustenau 5-0 in the reverse game. They've also kept eight clean sheets in 20 so far this season. And they're actually really dominant at home too. They've generated more shots on target and shots in the box at home than Salzburg have this season. And they've also kept four clean sheets in the last eight as well. So odds against on them to win to nil uh, against the worst team in Austria really does appeal. I do love a team that at any level is totally out of his depth. And at this stage of the season, you're thinking, what is the point of this? We're so far adrift. Lovely stuff. They're, they're my new team. Maybe we'll six adopt points. them. Six Even points. if we don't pick them six points all season. And Even if March. we don't feature <laughs> them in a pick every week, maybe we'll have a little section just to see how they're doing. Uh, that's all we have time for, sadly, on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Champions League previews back on Monday. Remember, all of our shows are on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. Loads of good Cheltenham Festival preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. There's also Cheltenham Only Better to keep an eye on as well in our podcast network. From Lewis, from Emmett, from Mark, from those 
hopeless goons at Austria Lustenau and from me. It is goodbye for now.